Hey, my friend, welcome to Fine is a Four-Letter Word. My name is Lori Seitz. I'm an entrepreneur, mentor, founder of Zen Rabbit, and your guide in moving from fine to fantastic. I love inspiring others to listen to their inner voice and encouraging them to take the steps toward fulfilling their soul. Join me here as we navigate through life transformation, moving from that place where you say everything's fine, it's just fine, but you're really feeling a deep undercurrent of suck. How do you move from there to a renewed sense of yourself? You're in the right place for stories and experiences of self-discovery and courage to help you on your journey. And you'll find each episode has an accompanying meditation. Now let's get into it. Today, I have the pleasure of talking with my good friend, Tracy Kay. Tracy and I met when we were working in the same office. One day, over lunch at Panera, it became clear we would be lifelong friends. Tracy's mom taught her to believe she could do anything she wanted. After graduating from the Baltimore High School for the Arts as a dance major, Tracy enjoyed a fulfilling career performing in musical theater shows throughout the U.S. and Europe. Once she started a family, though, she found herself struggling to live the life she thought society expected of her, but wasn't authentic to who she was. Whereas manifesting her heart's desires had been easy before, now her life felt heavy and difficult and frustrating. As she worked through the agony of thinking something must be wrong with her, and for the sake of her children, she stayed in her situation for another 15 years before finding the courage to, in her words, run through the flames away from the fire. Today, she continues to move from fine to fantastic by listening to her inner truth and taking baby steps to move her in the right direction. She says, At times, the journey can be difficult, but living a life of regret would be even more difficult. Quick reminder, today's episode is sponsored by Zen Rabbit. If you're tired of feeling like your life is stuck at fine, and you'd like to move closer to a life that lights you up and fills you with excitement, go to zenrabbit.com to learn more about the Fine to Fantastic program. It's a platform where you can tap into gratitude, connections, and courage with others who are looking for the same confidential space in which to blossom. Hello and welcome to Fine is a Four-Letter Word. My guest today is the one and only Tracy Kay. I'm so excited. You know, most podcasters probably start by talking to their friends, but I didn't do that. I started with people I didn't know and have now moving to my friends. So, (laughs) (laughs) so yeah, Tracy and I have been friends for like almost, I think it's almost six years. Seven. Like many of my friends was the inspiration for this podcast. So I'm super excited to have you on my show now and talking about your story. Thanks. Yeah. This is a great conversation, Lori. This is so valuable to so many people. So let's start with what were the values or beliefs that were instilled in you when you were younger? Well, Lori, I really don't know, to be honest with you. I mean, uh, my mother did a really good job 
at telling me I could do anything that I wanted. And I had natural dancing abilities. And I had the dream of being a theater dancer, a professional theater dancer. And she encouraged that. And that's probably the most wonderful gift anyone could have given me was that. But that being said, life experiences gave me many unconscious beliefs. So I have a lot of unconscious beliefs that I'm just becoming aware of and understanding that they are deep rooted and I'm trying to uh, get a grip on those and alter those beliefs, understanding that a belief is just a thought that I've, I thought over and over again, and it grooved its way into my brain as a belief. It doesn't yeah. mean it's true. That's why I ask this question of my guests, because I want to find out what were the beliefs that were instilled in you that are showing up now that maybe or maybe you don't recognize. Okay. Because when we're little, we don't have a choice. Like we don't know any better. So we just accept everything. And now, and right. So it's contributed, like you, we've talked about, it's contributed to your outcomes in life. And now that we're aware of what those beliefs might have been, we can change them. Right. That's why I'm asking. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously I take a look at the conditions of my life and I can break it down into segments And so let's look at my fitness. Okay. I'm extraordinarily fit for age 54. And I know I had to catch myself there. (laughs) You know, I've got goals for my 55th birthday. So I have 55 on the mind. But Uh um, so my uncle used to tease me when I was younger for being skinny. And he used to say, oh, Tracy, don't go outside. It's windy. The wind will carry you away. (laughs) Or when I would sit on his lap and I was literally, I don't know, seven or eight years old. When I would sit on his lap, he would tease me for having a bony tushy. He's like, oh my gosh, you're so skinny. So I would imagine that that went into my psyche because I've always thought of myself as naturally thin. Mm -hmm. But you know, and I know when I was 48, preparing for my 50th birthday, I was 10 pounds overweight. So 10 pounds overweight for me. So when I graduated high school, I was 108 pounds at five foot four. So that's what I use as my bar. And everybody who's listening right now hates you. I know. I know. <laughs> For me, that's why I prefaced that because everybody is different and everybody has a different bar. So when I was 18 and I graduated high school, I was working in a theater show and they weighed me and measured me every week because I was a dancer. I was a professional dancer. So I knew I was 108 pounds. So that was the bar for me. And so I had reached 120 pounds on my 48th birthday. And I was having a hard time getting out of bed because I felt heavy and sluggish. And I had no muscle definition. And I thought to myself, what happened to me? I had two children and life got in the way. But I'm, I'm fine. I mean, I'm not grossly overweight. I'm fine. Yeah. Anyone looking at you would not have guessed that you felt that way. I looked great in a pair of jeans, but I did not look great in a bikini. And the, the bottom line was I did not feel great. And you talk about fine to fantastic. Yes, I was fine, but the way fine felt was far less than the way I wanted to feel. 
So, you know, you and I were working together when I was on this journey and I didn't know how to get to where I wanted to go. So I had to research it. I found a trainer. I flew out to Florida because the woman that I found whose body I adored lived in Florida. So, you know, I flew out there and I trained with her and I learned everything I could about exercising and nutrition and six days a week, 530 in the morning, my butt was up and at the gym. And I put in all the work I could to feel really good in my own skin when I turned 50 years old. And I did it. So I did go from fine to fantastic in that one arena. Now, you know, because you're right. a friend. Right. And, and I want to make the point here that you did the research. Like, you didn't feel good. You didn't know what to do. But you did the research to figure it out. And then you took the action. I did. I did. Because, you know, a lot of people stay like, I don't know what to do, and then just stay there. Right. So I knew if I turned 50 years old, feeling badly in my own skin, it was going to be a really awful experience. And I did not want that for my life. I did not want that for myself. Right. So, so the the thought of not taking action was more painful than the taking action. Yes. So that's one area of my life. You know that. Right. So yeah. So I want to also talk about the the beliefs, again, back to the childhood. Like what led you to the first, uh, let's say, 20 years of adulthood? My mother was the reason why I believed that I could be a professional dancer. It was my mother. She got me involved in a dance studio when I was 11, and I really enjoyed it. I was the new girl in, in, in a more advanced class. So my mother just really supported me and told me I could do it, and I kept doing it. And then I went to a school, high school for the performing arts. And at that time, there was no doubt in my mind that I was going to be a professional dancer, and I was going to make my living as a theater dancer. Not a single doubt. And I think my mother is a huge component in that in that strong knowing. It wasn't even a belief. It was beyond a belief. It was I knew who I was in the world and I was a theater dancer. Right. So after I graduated high school, well, through high school, I was doing community theater, dinner theater, and uh, and and some professional theater. Like I did the president's inauguration. I did uh, symphony orchestra uh, performances. I was performing and I had a contract lined up right after high school and then a contract lined up after that and after that and after that. And I did. I went on and I did theater shows. I did national tours, European tours, regional theaters. I did all thing theaters until I hit about, I think I was 31 when I left that industry. And then I had to make a change. I wanted, I had a new dream of having a family and then right. um, I wanted to go and do that. So I would say my subconscious beliefs were instilled in me by my mother to be a dancer. Right. And the belief that you could do it. And then as we've talked about in the past, the manifesting of every new job, like you didn't think about it. You just, I just did it. You just, just opportunities just showed up for you. They did because I think looking back, knowing what I know now, Lori, and you can chime in because you and I talk about this all the time. I had no resistance. I had no negative beliefs that were going against what I wanted to do. I was in, I was happy. I was authentically living my life. 
I did not fit into the mold and my mother supported that. My mother, my mother never put a mold on me. I was in my pond. I was, I was a fish swimming in my pond. And so I was authentically myself being who I was supposed to be in this world. And I was happy. I was genuinely happy. And that's why I think life just unfolded naturally for me because I was just happy in it. Yeah. And then, so then when you decided that you wanted to get married and have children, were you doing that because you genuinely wanted that or because you thought that's what you were supposed to do? So a combination of things there. I genuinely wanted a family for sure. This was, this was a dream. However, here's where my limiting beliefs tripped me up a little bit. This is hard. Mm -hmm. So I believed that in order to have a family and in order to be the right kind of mother that I should be. Okay. So here's Mm -hmm. my language that I needed to be grounded. I needed to be in a nine to five lifestyle. So I betrayed who I was as a theater dancer And part of that is knowing my biorhythms. My natural biorhythms worked perfectly for being a dancer. I woke up around nine every day. It was a very easy, laid back lifestyle in that when I was performing, my days were pretty much free. Mm -hmm. I had to be at the theater before 7.30 p.m. because curtain was up at 8.05 And the show was over at 10.30 and I left the theater at 11. And I was a bit of a homebody. So I would usually sometimes go out with the cast afterwards. But more times than not, I would go home and um, take a shower and read a book and go to bed. Now, that lifestyle fit me so well. But I should all over myself when I wanted to be a mother. So I thought, oh, in order to be a mother, children grow up in a 9 to 5 framework So I need to force myself into a nine to five mold. I was very much, my sister, my older sister calls me a free spirit because I lived out of a suitcase for years and I was uber happy doing that. It felt free and light and airy. I did not have a lot of material possessions. I lived with my girlfriend in Manhattan. It was her apartment. I lived with her. All the furniture was her. All of my belongings could fit into two suitcases. Wow. So when I decided to get married, I knew I should embrace the nine to five lifestyle. I knew I had to marry a man who already was deep into that nine to five lifestyle because I imposed the role or the responsibility on him to ground me so that I could force myself to fit into that nine to five lifestyle. And here's another thing. Oh God, this, this is hard. It's okay. It's okay. I will just, I'll just interject here that in the episode that I did with Derek Goldberg, we talked about shedding the shoulds. Okay. Interesting. Cause I didn't mm-hmm. do that episode, but strangely enough, I have always had a little bit of a self-esteem issue. Go figure. I don't know. I don't know where it came from. Cause my mom did such a good job raising me and giving me, she did everything to give me inner strength, mm-hmm. but maybe because the dancer world was competitive Sure. And and I do have some issues about, yeah, I don't want to get into it, but my family, like we didn't have a really big, beautiful house and I felt a little embarrassed. 
by my tiny little row home. And my parents were really into their boating passions. And they weren't really into the how the way the house looks. Like it just mm-hmm. their forte. That wasn't their priority. It wasn't their priority tape. Yeah, they didn't care. So the exterior of the house looked a little shabby. And I was always a little bit embarrassed by that. So it made me feel less than. Mm -hmm. Looking back, I'm imagining that this was a factor into me feeling less than. And because of that, I think this is me psychoanalyzing myself. Right. Um, My self-esteem thought that a man would not really... No man would ever love me for me exactly as I was. Now, that being said, I did have a turbulent, difficult relationship where I was in love with a man, with a theater actor. Laura, you know this. And Mm -hmm. um, I knew he was in love with me and I didn't understand why things weren't working out with us. He wouldn't commit to me. I just. So that just fed that insecurity. It It did. It fed that insecurity. So. When I decided to get married, I was very calculated. I knew I couldn't find a man to love me for me. And I knew a man that I would end up being would have to be a man that would need me in some way. So, and I also wanted a friendship because my romantic, my previous romantic relationship had really broken my heart in an unhealthy way. Mm -hmm. And it devastated me. So I forced myself to marry a guy who was, who I had a very loving, harmonious, deep friendship with. And he had a son that he was raising on his own. So I was an instant stepmother. My intentions were pure, but wow, I was not up to that task. Mm -hmm. And the man that I married was in the insurance industry. And I came from a theater background. (laughs) That's two totally different worlds. Yeah. You you put it out there into the universe. I want stability. Yeah. Yeah. And it brought it right to you. No, I could have found stability knowing now what I, what I know with somebody as eccentric as I was. Right. You know, what I this is the whole thing is when we, we see it when we're looking backwards, not right. when we're in it. Right. So when I was in it, my lack of self-esteem said I needed to be with somebody that needed me because nobody's going to love me. And I forced myself into a nine to five culture. That was probably the hardest thing for me. Mm -hmm. I missed the theater. It was like a part of me had died. So I was no longer involved in a world of, I'll use the word eccentricity for lack of a better term, but the Mm -hmm. the expression even. Yeah, the theater arts, people are authentically, wildly, deliciously embodied themselves, right? And, yeah. and it's just so accepted and and they're so creative. So it is this delicious combination to create for outside of the box, being, living, and thinking. And I loved that so much. And so I forfeited that to marry somebody who was more traditional, more inside the box, square peg who fit in a square hole, Mm -hmm. follow the traditional way of life in Northern Virginia, meaning get up in the morning, do your Monday through Friday, nine to five job, clock in, clock out, take home your paycheck, go home. How long were you in this 
situation before you realize this is not really working for me? It was a while. Now, I was married for three years when I knew that I was deeply depressed. And I thought it was something wrong with me. Mm. And then I started soul searching to figure out what I was doing wrong, why I was sad. The challenges of motherhood were difficult. I also had a stepson that was difficult. I was insanely sleep deprived. That was the hardest thing of my life. I just had so many challenges. And looking back, I can now see that, um, you know, Einstein's quote, if you ask a fish to climb a tree, it will spend its whole life thinking it's stupid. Yeah. I was suddenly a fish trying to climb a tree. I was living a life that wasn't my authentic life. Instead of recognizing that, like, holy cow, I jump outside of who I am trying to become someone that I'm not. I was married. I had a child who I adored. My husband and I were great friends. And I just could not see that I was not being true to myself. So what I tried to do is I tried to figure out what was wrong with me. Yeah, this is so common. It's crazy how we try to, like, we take it on as our thing. Like something must be wrong with me if this situation is not working. Yeah. So my sweet husband at the time, I went through a lot of depression and he was very kind and very patient and did try to help me in trying to help me find my inner peace and my inner balance. And Mm -hmm. I never quite grasped the concept that when you have peace on the inside and you have self-love on the inside and you know who you are on the inside and you know what you want on the inside and you feel the essence of all that, that your outside will just naturally, easily, without effort, materialize to reflect that. Now that's something you've only come to understand recently. Very recently. So you were with John for 20 years. 20 20 years married, I think in total 21 years. So you were in that fine for all of those years until finally you decided that wasn't okay anymore. Because Lori, on the outside, things looked fine. Sure. On the inside, I was far from fine. I wasn't and, even close to fine. I was, yeah. I was in agony. I was in pain. But on the outside, no one would have known. That's what I'm pretty sure a lot of the people listening to us right now are feeling, thinking, and feeling themselves. Right. So again, it was that 50th birthday Mm -hmm. that really jolted me. So I had achieved an outstanding physique and I showed myself that I could do that. And I was really happy to feel like me again. And I knew I had to keep going. I had to keep moving in the direction of feeling like me. I did not want to die with any regrets. And I knew the journey was going to be hard but I had to move in the direction of being my authentic self in the world. Because again, the fear of not being it was greater than the fear of staying where you were. Yes, exactly. And the fear was practically debilitating. The fear felt to me like, um, like if you're in a burning house and there's fire behind you, so you mm-hmm. can't go behind you, And in front of you, there are flames that are 
six feet deep, but past that six foot wall of flames was the outside of your house. That was your safe haven. I had to run through the flames. To me, the flames were fear. They were, it was the fear. I had to run really fast to get the fear to get me outside of the fire so that I- The fear being the fear of leaving the marriage. The fear of leaving the marriage. Yeah. Okay. I I was terrified. I mean, terrified. Yeah. Once I had made the decision, I knew I had to make the next decision, next decision, next decision. I needed that momentum. Like a snowball. Yeah. I needed to make decisions really fast and I needed to make it happen fast because the fear was so overwhelming that I had to move through it as quickly as I could. Because if I didn't, I may have regressed and gone back. I may have gone back and I moved forward. And so what's it like now on the other side, outside the the flames? So I'm still adjusting. (laughs) It's been a year and a half since I made those rapid fire decisions. And the last year and a half has been filled with very high highs and very, no, very high highs, but coupled with some lows. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, yeah, and that's just life in general. You know, I, it was a psychological adjustment. You know, my heartstrings with my daughter. I sobbed on the phone to you at, at least a dozen times. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, I, uh, my daughters, my daughters, my daughters, my daughters. That was the hardest thing was letting them go. And then, um, and just to clarify for the listeners who don't know the story, you, they stayed living in the house and you left, but they're still your daughters. There's nothing, they didn't go anywhere. And they're, they're ages 17 and 20 right now. And I just had Leslie out. We were just driving for a few hours and we went to the mall and we got Chick-fil-A and yeah. (laughs) um, Yeah. But it was hard because I was a stay at home mom for the first six years of their lives. And I was their full-time mom, 24-7, all hands on deck with me. You know, that was my my priority. That was my dream. And so um, my ex-husband and I decided with a divorce mediator that it was in the best interest of everyone for him to stay in the house. He was running a business out of the house. It had a backyard for his three dogs. It was near the hiking trails for him and his three dogs. And the girls were settled there. So we had decided that I was going to move out. I moved seven minutes away mm-hmm. from condo. They have a key. They come and go as they please. But that was the hard part. And yeah. in addition to my heart having to adjust to a different kind of relationship with my young women daughters, mm-hmm. I had to learn, this is crazy, but hey, I had no more health insurance. What the heck? How do you buy health insurance? Hey, I had no more car insurance. Car insurance? Um, I got research that I got to figure that out. Right. Some practical things here. Smart TV, Wi-Fi. Okay. Uh, how do you set up Wi-Fi? (laughs) And it was funny because I was telling my 20 year old, all of this, like last week and she goes, Oh mom. And you learned it's not that hard, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, but initially, I was a deer in headlights. I was terrified of these things because these are things that my ex-husband always took care of. And now you know how to do them. Now it's nothing. Now I got it. And I have learned that this is my biggest lesson. When you don't have the answers, someone around you does. Oh, that is gold right there. My biggest lesson. Yeah. When I don't have the answers... Someone around me does. And sometimes it's a stranger. 
sometimes it's the guy in the tow truck when yeah. my car doesn't start and I'm like, oh crap, what do I do now when your car doesn't start? <laughs> I mean, call my ex-husband. I don't know how to deal with this. So I'm like, oh God. So tow truck guy comes and he's like, okay, let me do a check on your uh, on your battery, you know, and let me check your alternator and let's get you over to the service center. Make sure they run diagnostics and make sure they check this and make sure they check that. Yeah. Gee, thank you, Mr. Stranger. So it's about trusting the universe to bring you in the resources and the answers that you need when you don't have them. Now, I, I And it have, happens every single time. It happened every time. Every that is such time. an awesome lesson to finish this episode with, but not quite finished because as I ask every single one of my guests, what is your hype song, the walk-up song, the song that you listen to to get you pumped up when you need some extra energy? Gosh, you're killing me here. There's a song by Ariana Grande that I love. And then what's that song? This is your fight song. This is your fight song. Do you know that song? Yes. Who the original singer was. But Yeah. Um, Now it's leaving my head too. Uh, I can hear it in my head though. And we'll put it in the show notes. Okay. Thank you so much for joining me today, Tracy Kay. As always, great conversation. Thank you, Lori. All right. We'll see you next time on Fine is a Four-Letter Word. I've got six key takeaways for you from this conversation with Tracy. Number one, we frequently talk about the negative beliefs that are instilled in us, the ones that don't serve us as well as we'd like. But positive ones, like Tracy's mom instilled around being able to do anything she wants and her ability to be a dancer, are equally important to recognize. Number two, if you want to make a change and aren't sure where to start, Start researching. We live in a time where we have access to more information than ever before. Dig in and find answers. Don't just resign yourself to not knowing. Number three, it can be easy to let your mind talk your heart out of what your heart knows is right. You know your own truth. Find the right circumstances for you instead of forcing yourself to fit into what you think society wants from you or what you're quote-unquote supposed to do. Number four, when you look at your circumstances, you will find they completely support your beliefs. Whether you know what those beliefs are consciously or not is a different conversation, but the situations you find yourself in will always be a result of your beliefs playing out. Number five, making a life change may look like a daunting ladder of decisions. That's often why we don't move off fine. Ah, too many decisions. But sometimes all it takes is making that one big first decision. The rest of the decisions cascade from there. Number six, This last one is so, so simple and so profound at the same time. When you don't have all the answers, someone around you does. It comes back to, as it always does, trusting the universe will always provide exactly what you need when you need it. Thanks for being here and subscribing to Fine is a Four-Letter Word. Please share this show with a friend. If you're feeling especially generous, leave a review so other women like you can discover the show too. It's on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, and all the major podcast directories. 
And I'd love to hear what's happening in your world. Join me on social. On Instagram, it's zen underscore rabbit. You can find links to the other platforms at zenrabbit.com. Before you go, remember to take a moment to think about what you're grateful for today. And lastly, you can find this week's meditation queued up right after this episode. Or maybe it's just before, depending on where you're listening. Look for it. You'll find it because you always find exactly what you're looking for. Remember that. <laughs>